Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. gentlemen. Welcome to the Golden Star Resources second quarter 2021 results conference call. At this time, all lines are in a listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. If at any time during this call you require immediate assistance, please press star zero for the operator. Today's call is being recorded on Thursday, July the 29th, 2021. And I would now like to turn the conference over to Mr. Michael Stoner, Director, Investor Relations and Business Development. Please go ahead. Thank you, everyone, for joining our Q2 results call. Um, before I hand over to the team, um, please could you note the disclaimer on slide two. The presentation is already available on our website, so you can either follow on the webcast or with the PDF on the website. I'm joined today by Andrew Ray, our CEO, Graham Crew, our COO, Paul Thompson, our CFO, and then Mitch Wassell, who has our exploration efforts. Um, and with that, if I could hand over to Andrew to commence the call, please. Thank you very much, Michael. And uh, good morning, good afternoon to everybody. If we move on to slide four and a quick reminder there of who we are, where we are, and also the updated plan that we put out earlier this year in terms of both the reserve plan plus the life of mine extension in the PEA, which takes us up to around a 17-year mine life. And we'll talk through progress on that plan, the work that's ongoing, and where we believe we are in that respect. Uh, if we move on to the next slide, slide five, specifically on Q2 and performance in Q2, as you can see there, the number, some of the numbers, as we highlighted a few weeks ago, below target, there have been one or two challenges come up during the quarter, which Graham will give a little bit more detail on, which we're making pretty good progress to resolving, which is good. Um, at the same time, we've continued to strengthen the balance sheet, which Paul will go into a bit of detail on, and we're in a good position to continue investing in the business to deliver that plan that I referred to on the previous slide. On the next slide, um, specifically looking at the ongoing COVID situation, I think it was probably these set of results a year ago where we were showing the first quarter under COVID and I don't think anybody at the time thought we'd be here a year later um, in many ways in the same position, certainly as regards COVID. Uh, there's been in Ghana another tick up in cases um, as we've seen in many other countries. So we're back to probably the sort of rates we were at in end of February going into early March. Um, 
we've maintained all of our protocols, controls at site. Unfortunately, we've managed to really minimize any impact. Certainly, we've had no serious illness and no fatalities, which I think is the most important thing. Um, and the business has had minimal impact, albeit we have seen in terms of logistics for getting people in and out of sight, in and out of country is clearly a lot more complicated than it was, which has meant some skills are harder to get. And we've seen that in certain of the operational areas, which particularly has affected some of the development and meant that we've had to plan around that. So we're working with that. But fortunately, from a health perspective, uh, minimal impact. On to the next slide, as I mentioned, we've had a number of challenges you can see reflected there in the guidance. So our focus as we go through this year is resolving those challenges this year, continuing to invest for the longer term future of the business and really exiting this year into 2022 with the business back on track and where it expects to be. And with that, I'll hand over to Graham. Thanks, Andrew. I think we'll move straight across, across to slide number nine, uh, just to give everyone a little bit of an update into the PACE backfill system. As Andrew mentioned in, in, the, uh, in the guidance update, uh, we spoke about this, so we had some delays uh, to the commissioning dating back to Q1, in fact, and then when, when we poured the first test stoke, uh, we had some of the, the quality assurance results come back um, less than what we would have expected uh, from the from the test work. Um, so we've moved on to we're doing more test work now. Um, the recent test results um, coming from the site QAQC are giving us uh, some confidence to move to uh, further uh, another test vote in Q3, which will be happening in the next few weeks and from there we are planning that we should be able to recommence filling in Q4. Um, at, at this stage we'll be going with a higher cement blend than we had originally planned uh, just for that additional factor of safety and we'll continue the test work to optimise the mix design uh, as that work moves through. So um, over the quarter some, some positive results from the testing um, and a clear path to restarting that plant. It is contingent on the second test stoke performing as expected, but um, that's, that's the current plan to get back on track when it comes to the pace fill and mining secondary stopes um, from 2022. Moving across to the next slide, uh, Andrew touched on some of the, um, some of the challenges here. The mining rate was down a little bit for the quarter. That's really um, in the quarter, really related to the development. Um, we've, we've, put, we've put development in into the slide this time just to talk about that a little bit more. And you can see the step up in development from uh, 2019 through to 21. Um, Q3 2020 is when we'd added um, some additional equipment um, and we were expecting to, to see that step up with COVID and some challenges around um, certainly expatriate operators, etc. Um, that ramp up has been 
slower than we had planned for. Uh, and then going into H2, that's that's really the impetus for the um, for the re-guidance and, and not being able to mine the secondary stopes that we had in the plan. So although development is stepping up, it's a little bit behind. It, pleasingly, over Q2, um, the, the development in June was you know, much closer to the rate that we're looking for going going forward. So we're seeing good progress with the development um, development improvements at site. Um, production uh, in line with the slightly lower volumes so um, and grade on expectations. Moving across to the next slide, um, just looking at the cost, a um, little bit of a step up in cost, partly related to the relatively fixed cost base at Wassa, although there's a little bit of cost increase coming through, certainly from Q2, Q3 last year, where we, we had some benefit of some power um, cost rebates, um, but a little bit of cost inflation coming through, and, and areas such as ground support. So as we're seeing the step up in development, uh, a little bit more ground support coming through and some increased um, costs for, for transport, and et cetera, so, and logistics. So, just seeing a little bit of cost increase coming through. Um, processing costs, it was still still producing from the low-grade stockpiles and we're seeing the benefit of that extra tonnage volume through the plant with the processing costs. Um, on the OPEX and all in sustaining costs, yes, up, up the trend in line with the production volumes. Uh, importantly, we're continuing with the sustaining capital and the, and the investment at Wasser. Uh, which, as we bring up the the volumes, as we improve those productivities, we expect to see that uh, start to improve. And with that, I'll hand over to Paul to talk about the financial results. Thanks, Graham. Um, good morning, good afternoon, everyone. Um, as contextualised, Q2 has been a good quarter from a financial perspective, despite having slightly lower gold ounces sold at just under 38,000 ounces and those issues which uh, Graham has just articulated. Just by way of note, um, for the purposes of the comparison to Q2 2020, I just point out that this quarter had a really strong operational and financial performance. Part of the reason that we had a really good quarter from a financial perspective is due to the macro environment and strong gold price. So. Um, during Q2, the business realised an average spot price of just over $1,800 an ounce, so that was 1807 or uh, 17.09 post the impact of the Royal Gold Stream. So the business continues to produce strong and robust EBITDA, so that was 7.6 million for the quarter, and an adjusted EBITDA of 26 million. So in terms of those adjustments from EBITDA to adjusted EBITDA, we had 18.4 million. So these comprise the following non-cash adjustments. So we had $700,000 for the fair value adjustments on the financial instruments. So that was loss in hedges of 900,000, which was offset by the gain in the convertible debenture embedded derivative of $200,000. These are obviously a function of the gold market and the share price movements during the quarter. 
The large item uh, relates to 17.17 million of other expenses, which relates primarily to the expected credit loss adjustment for the FGR receivable, which we've documented in our press releases recently and also uh, annotated with notes within the, within the earnings uh, release earlier. In terms of earnings per share, this was impacted primarily by the expected credit loss that I've just explained in respect of the 17.4 million adjustment. If we could go to slide 14, please. Um, the balance sheet. So as Andrew was alluding to earlier, uh, the balance sheet continues to be repositioned to provide a stronger, more robust base for the business. So recently we have uh, restructured and upsized the Macquarie facility into an RCF, and that's actually provided additional liquidity to give the business a more appropriate debt structure as the, as, as the business continues to grow and evolve. So with that, it's important to highlight that we have conservative debt-related ratios here. So just to put that into context in terms of what the structuring or the restructuring apologies has actually done, um, if we cast our mind back to Q1 2020, we had a net debt position of 65 million, and we now actually sit with a net debt position of just uh, of 31 million. So this has been done against the backdrop of you know significant investment within the business, and in 2020 and 2021, it's something of the order of 100 million that's being invested. So that, that significant investment will actually benefit the business in the medium to long term, which is key in terms of this phase we're going through now. The key thing for us now in Q3 is the convertible debenture. So that's due to be the deemed on August 15, 2021, so in two, three weeks' time. So given the current share price, we're working on the assumption that this will be settled in cash which is 51.5 million. So as you can see, we've got adequate cash to actually do that and to, and to proceed with a normal level of cash within the business going forward. So as part, of the, as part of that refinancing with Macquarie, we actually put in place some attractive zero cost callers in terms of the hedging program over the period from H221 to H1 2024. So you can see that we've got a flat floor price of 1600 an with a ceiling of over 2100 So this is a good range of pricing, which actually helps preserve significant upside on the gold price, whilst giving cost protection at a sensible level with respect to WASA's ongoing development. You turn to slide 15, please. Um, cash management is, is a key consideration for the business. So the business ended the quarter with a healthy cash balance of $72.7 million. The key points to note on this cash flow bridge for Q2 are as follows. So you can see from the first block, was a strong operational performance, and that actually generated over $11 million. So we're continuing with a capital investment program to underpin the future development of WASA. So you can see there that we spent over $10 million on CapEx. So we're continuing to invest in exploration as well. So there was $3.3 million spent during Q2. And with respect to the financing activities, the ATM proceeds were $5.2 million 
during the quarter, which were actually generated in April and May, and it's not actually been used since that. So just in summary, the cash position is approved again in Q2 2021, which facilitates continued investment into the business. So going forward, our focus will be on exploration and development. With that, if I could pass you over to Mitch, who's going to cover off exploration and geology. So I think Mitch will start on slide 17. Thanks, Paul. Um, just on slide 17, as Paul mentioned there, uh, just a general overview of the uh, areas of focus for our exploration programs. Uh, we spent 3.3 million in this quarter. Uh, the exploration focused on uh, mostly at WASA, drilling the up and down dip mineralization from the known reserves. We were busy with uh, five drill rigs overall, three at WASA. We had one at Sabrisa East, which moved in toward the end of the quarter, and we have an Air Corps rig that's been working on several regional targets up and down the trend. Um, as I mentioned, the, the focus is now going to be uh, in, on the in-mine area and near mine, which has been completed, and uh, a little bit on the regional stuff on there. So let's move over to slide 18, take a look at an isometric view of the WASA deposit as it stands. Just what we're looking at here is a view looking towards the east and the results we're looking at, everything in bold is the Q2 results that we've had from the up and down dip drilling. And the, uh, the smaller uh, font there is the results we've received to date. What you're looking at here is in the red lines or the red dotted circles are the areas where we're focusing our drilling on the infill. On the up dip, we're gonna close in some spacing to follow up on some of the hits that we had in 2020, late in 2020. Uh, the 20 meters at 6.9 grams per ton, and we're going to be stepping 50 meters north and south of that, trying to prove that up into a resource, hopefully by the end of the year. The uh, material that's down dip is going to be tightened up to about 100 meter spacing just to follow up some of the down dip material that we hit below the main V-shoot trend. So a total for the quarter, we drilled roughly five holes in this area, totaling approximately 5,000 meters. Okay, let's move on to slide 19 and I'll look a little bit more detail on some of the sections and some of the hits that we've had. So on slide 19, what you'll see is the uh, two intersections in hole six and hole eight, uh, which actually intersected the 242 zone, uh, which is of interest for us because this is part of the upper mining zone that we're looking at uh, generating at Wausau. As we re recollect that we've uh, uh, gotten rid of the big open pit and we're looking at mining the material from the open pit from the underground in, in two areas and one of them being the 242 area. So, uh, this would be uh, hopefully a, a different uh, access that we'd have in Fenerity, allowing us to get uh, into an underground scenario where we have uh, got um, a separate uh, decline and everything going in after it. So that's going to be a focus of us for drilling up in that area. The other interesting point on this section is that we've intersected mineralization in, in hole 6 at depth, uh, approximately 160 meters below the B chute. Now, what this really demonstrates is that mineralization does continue at depth below the, the B chute, and uh, it opens up a whole new uh, exploration place for additional targets to be tested below the, the main uh, B chute uh, below the current reserve. Moving on to slide 20, uh, 20 is another section uh, looking at the intersections of a hanging wall zone that was intercepted on in wall 7M and D1. Uh, significant zone of about 17.3 meter approximate true width at about 4.8 grams per ton. This mineralization is open both uh, long strike to the north and south. So that's part of the 100 meter infill drilling programs that we're actually going to be looking at uh, kicking off just now with uh, three rigs at, at Wasa currently. 
Okay, let's move on to slide uh, 21 on a more uh, near mine exploration programs and what we've been doing with uh, one of the rigs at Wassa. We've been testing several zones in and around outside the main zone itself, which is labeled on the slide there, testing uh, the Mideast and Dead Man's Hill zones, which we uh, know is another big fold closure. We've got um, a east dipping limb in Dead Man's Hill and a west dipping limb in Mideast. Uh, the results that you're seeing off in the table to the right-hand side are within the limbs. And if you're familiar with the geology at Wassa, we find the concentrations and higher gold uh, values usually associated with fold closures. So we know there's a large regional fold closure here, much the same as we see at the main deposit between the B shoot and the 242 zone. So we need to uh, do some more work on the, the uh, drilling that we've done so far to determine uh, where this fold closure is funded, either to the north or south. Uh, additionally, we've been drilling at the South Action Pin Pits, which is the SAC Pits off to the west, and on uh, the left hand side of the picture there. And uh, we've been drilling along a major structure there, um, uh, intersecting broader zones of mineralization and through there. So we've intersected the structure, and uh, some of the zones are, are you know, a little bit lower grade, but we've still intersected the structure. The five targets that are within the flow issues have currently been deferred till 2022. Uh, we are pursuing the permits and stuff for re-entry into the flow issues, which is currently with the ministry. So we'll move on to slide 22, which sort of covers the regional area towards the south, which is our Hulibutu and Denso concessions. Uh, we've been busy down there. We currently have a drill rig drilling below Sabriso East Pit, which was mined uh, back in 2014. And that's where we are hitting targets towards the south on a, on a projected plunge to the south there. We've been busy with the Air Corps drilling uh, at Quehu Hill, at Abada, at, uh, and also down Mansa 2 and Safe Road. So those programs are initially wrapping up. Um, we're, we're mobilizing a uh, ground geophysical crew that will be coming in to do some follow-up geophysics on the testing areas that we've currently drilled. And a combination of the geophysics and the air core building will be used for some follow-up uh, for next year. Uh, we've had some significant hits at uh, Guadium, which is part of the Abada concession, which was approximately... Um, 20 meters at, uh, I think it was around five grams per ton. Uh, these uh, results are all summarized in the press release, so you can take a look at the regional air core results where we've had several hits on the very wide spacing of air core drilling, which is uh, quite interesting. Um, okay, on that note, I'm going to hand it back to Andrew, who can uh, wrap it up with a summary. So back to you, Andrew. Excellent. Thanks very much, Mitch. Um, so just to conclude on slide 23. Um, as I said, over the quarter, we've had some challenges. I think at the same time, as you've just heard, we've made, continued to make some significant progress in the business. As Graham said, we're well on our way to resolving those operational issues that we've encountered and getting the operations back to where we expect them to be. Um, I think that will strengthen the business longer term. We've continued to invest, and as Mitch was saying there, we've seen some really encouraging progress in the exploration activities over the front half of the year. Um, at the same time, the focus has also been on the balance sheet. Uh, as Paul said, it's pretty impressive. We've halved our net debt since the start of last year, put a lot of money into the business at the same time, and we're well-placed to deal with the convertible bond, which is one of the last pieces in getting ourselves properly stabilized and prepared for the longer term on a financial footing. And that'll allow us to continue the investment plan we outlined through the reserve and PA plans and really 
set the business up for the longer term. So with that, I'll hand it back to Michelle, and we're happy to take any questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press the star, followed by the one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request. Questions will be taken in the order they are received. Should you wish to withdraw your question, please press the star, followed by the two, and if you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Your first question comes from Bryce Adams of CIBC. Please go ahead. Uh, good afternoon. I have a couple of questions on the PACE test work and, and development rate. Uh, firstly, on the PACE test work, uh, what are the tests that are being completed in Australia that can't be done in country? Is that compressive strength tests as in crush testing of cubes, or is there something much more involved uh, with that? Do you want to give, a, give us both the questions, Bryce, and then I guess they're probably both for Graham, but then we can deal with them both together. Yeah, that's a pretty good guess. These will probably go to all to Graham. Uh, <laughs> so follow, a follow-up on that one, I guess, just a clarifying one was um, maybe a reminder about uh, underground shotcrete at Wasser. There's no shotcrete underground uh, from my memory. Um, and then I'll move on to the development rates. I was just wondering if you could remind us on the number of uh, Jumbos underground, how many jumbo crews are working, and the average um, the average development rates that they achieve per month, and then just building on that one from with the development of the 495 level, um, I think you said the level access is developed. I was just wondering where the faces were now. Is that in the footwell drive, or have you started on any ore drives? And uh, what would be the total development meters for the entire 495 level? And um, is that indicative of other levels, or does the footprint increase uh, slightly with the next level? I think uh, I think that's what I've got now, but maybe there'll be something more that comes out of the answers. Thanks, Bryce. Uh, yeah, Graham, I think over to you. That's that's quite a list of questions, Bryce. How are you? Um, so on the pace test work, uh, there's no particular testing that can be done in Australia that can't be done at UMAT and Ghana, and that's why we're working with both uh, Minefield Services and UMAT. Um, where Minefield Services are valuable is they are PACE experts um, and, you know, have worked with a lot of PACE plants around the world. So really that's about optimising the mix design. So the, we... We'd always planned that there would be um, an opportunity to optimise the, the mix design down the track, alternative binders, etc. What we saw in the initial test work was uh, a higher degradation of strength over time, um, and, and certainly, certainly at the not lower in the planned cement ranges, less so at the higher cement ranges. So. Um, which is why we're going for a higher cement now. So, so really their role is about optimising the mix design and ensuring that our testing is consistent across the board. Um, so that's, that's the first question. Se second question is on underground shock crates. So we now have, as part of the pace plant commissioning, we now have a batch plant on site. Um, 
or creating equipment for walls, barricades, etc. So that's um, that's now part of the WASA um, arsenal, if you like. No, no plans to use that for ground support at this point in time. Um, jumbos. So we have we have four frontline jumbos, and you know we're looking at 800 odd metres a month. Um, out of those, out of those four frontline jumbos, um, and you know, getting all of those manned up consistently with COVID long rosters, etc., has has been a challenge, and I think other people have have suffered from that challenge. Um, on the 495 development, 495 will be a, a relatively typical level as as we come down the the plunge. Um, what we see at Wasser is relatively consistent. At, at the moment, we're focusing on footwall drives, um, but from from there, we'll you know the, the ore development tends to be certainly in the um, in in the um, in the crosscut areas tends to be more just in time. So, um, so the, the primary focus on 495 is to get the footwall development in, so that we can then develop. Um, both accesses as we go. But that's your question. Yeah, I think that's it. I guess um, coming out of that, it's interesting that you've got the Shockcrete fleet on site specifically for vent walls and barricades. Um, sounds like if you get the pace plant and the pace fill working properly and um, resolve you know, strength issues, there may be an opportunity to do in-cycle uh, ground support at a future date? Oh, oh, certainly, Bryce. Certainly, certainly, that's potential. It's not one that we've done. It's not one that we've done um, a lot of work on. Um, you know, the, the 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 capacity is built for doing um, barricades and walls, um, but it is it is potential down the track, especially as we get deeper. Um, at, at the moment, Wasser ground conditions are, are still good. At, you know, as you've seen, um, and you know, split sets and mesh in most areas are, are you know, pretty what pretty much what's required. Yeah, copy that. Um, yep. Good good luck with the second uh, test stoke. We'll be watching for updates. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Bryce. Your next question comes from Raj Ray of BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator. Uh, good afternoon, Andrew and team. Um, I have three questions, if I may. The first question is on the, the amount of uh, open pit stockpile feed you expect for the second half of the year. Uh, Q2 was significantly higher than what you had guided at the beginning of the year. Uh, second question was a follow-up on the pace fill. With the increased cement content, if you can give us some rough idea about how much cost increase you expect as a result of that. And my third question was on the, the balance sheet liquidity. Now, as you have mentioned, there doesn't seem to be any concern, and certainly I don't see any concern. But one of the questions I had was, uh, with respect to the $30 million revolving trade facility, you do have a cash covenant uh, where you need to maintain a minimum cash balance of $35 million to be able to draw down on that. So um, is that... Um, something that could cause a bit of a challenge. So, yeah, that's those are the three questions uh, for now. Thank you, Raj. I think uh, 
Graham, probably the first two for you, then we'll pass to Paul in terms of the Macquarie facility. Yeah, hi, Raj. Um, on the open pit stockpiles, we've, we've got stockpiles that, that will last through to the end of the year, maybe maybe a little bit into next year. We're sort of onto the 0.6 gram material now and, and um, you know, in the, in the harder to get to kind of areas. So, you know, we, we just took the, while the underground volumes were down a little bit, and you know we were you know we're looking at the second half of the year. We took the opportunity to get some of that material through and and bring that cash forward essentially. So uh, we'll continue to do that over H2. Uh, you know, given our stoping is going to be a little bit restricted until we can get the the pace fill going and the development you know far enough ahead. Um, I think that'll be that'll form part of the the strategy in H2 as well. In, in terms of the cement increase, um, it, it's a good question. So we we guided at the start of the year, the, the paste um, adds about five to seven dollars per tonne mined um, through adding that paste fill. Roughly half the cost is cement or binder cost um, and going with a higher cement percentage. So, so we say that Three dollars becomes, um, you know, we go from six percent average to ten percent, and at least initially, um, that three dollars of cement cost, you know, becomes four dollars fifty to use very round numbers. So about a, you know, about a fifty percent increase in the cement cost, which adds, you know, maybe two dollars, dollar fifty to two dollars to that to that mining cost. But as I said, we'll continue to work on optimising that. That mix design, um, alternative binders certainly form part of that, um, and that's about some of that'll be about getting the logistics in place for you know fly ash or, or whatever that alternative binder uh, turns out to be, um, which will really help negate the strength degradation issue that we saw in the in the quality assurance work. Thanks, Graham. Hopefully that answers the two questions. Yeah, it does. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Hey, right. Maybe yeah, talk through the um, covenant cash covenant. Yeah, thanks, Raj. It's a good question. Um, there are there are two factors just to to actually address this this point. So we've got CP to draw down, which you quite rightly identified, thirty five million. So we've been watching this very very closely for obvious reasons. So um, so yeah, we are very comfortable in terms of being able to get to that position. So we've got quite a bit of headroom there. I can't tell you exactly what it is, but suffice to say that there is sufficient headroom there to allow us to do that without any pressure. And then after that, we have the ongoing uh, covenant in terms of the minimum cash position. So it, it then goes to 25 million in terms of the ongoing cash position we need to main, we actually need to maintain as a minimum. Okay. Thanks, Paul. Um, Andrew, if I may, just a follow-up question. Probably this is for uh, Mitch. Uh, just wanted to, with your near-mine exploration and regional uh, exploration targets, uh, given the drilling that's been done to date and what's remaining for the for the year, can we expect any initial resources in, on any of the targets, or is it, is it too, still too early to, to expect anything by the end of the year? 
Raj, what we're doing right now is starting on the uh, the infill programs themselves. We've depends on drilling production, right? So we're looking at getting that stuff. We're going to kick off the resource estimation process in August. So what we have is depending on how many drill results we have, is we'll be able to incorporate some of those drill holes into the actual updated resource state, uh, models. But uh, realistically, um, we probably won't have all of the holes in there. So a portion of it would be incorporated into the uh, resource update for this model. But uh, I think uh, realistically, we'll probably have more of that in the 22 updates. Okay, and between the targets which you highlighted in the slides 21 and 22, which ones would you say are most prospective and most advanced? Um, well, the ones that are most advanced at this point in time, we're looking at the, uh, for the, for the near-mine ones you're looking at, Raj, is that what you're looking at? Yeah, near-mines and then the regional. Yeah, I would say the most advanced ones is probably going to be the Mideast and Dead Man's Hill because we do have a lot of drilling that was done uh, in the open pits in there. There are old historical open pits from there. So we have to sit back and sort of uh, assess what's going on as far as the structures are concerned because it was very wide space. The drilling space in that mid-east was over uh, half a kilometer, and Dead Man's Hill, I think, was a couple hundred meters in between drill fences there. So there's still a lot of room for uh, further interpretation, and then we're going to think out what we're going to have to do there for the next phase of the drilling on it. But I would say that that uh, resource updates in those particular areas are probably at least a year out from now, depending on how long we hit it and what targets we come up with. Okay, and then the regional stuff? Regional stuff, um, well, we've, we've had some good hits already, but uh, this is just, um, like I say, we're going 400-meter spaced air core lines so or a ways away from that. Yeah. Uh, we're going to run the I yeah, we're gonna run the IP and stuff over the better targets that we've got there, and that'll help guide us for the next phase of drilling. So we'll, uh, depending on expenditures that we have for next year's budget for 2022, um, we'll be focusing in, obviously, on the uh, best targets, which is probably going to be the stuff at Quahu Hill and at uh, Guadium. And then Quahu Hill is important as well because it's already within the Benso mining lease, so you wouldn't be looking at permitting issues and stuff through there. It's already within a mining lease, so if we can accelerate that, that would be one of the prime targets to bring something on uh, earlier than, than later, or the other ones you still have to look at drilling and then your permitting process and stuff that would have to go through should we be successful. Okay, thanks. Thanks, man. So that's it from me. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks very much, Raj. Your next question comes from Jeremy Hoy of Canaccord. Please go ahead. Hi, everyone. Thank you for taking my questions. Uh, most of my questions have been answered already, um, but just back to development quickly. Um, I was wondering, you know, are you guys anticipating um, that 2022? production will be impacted at all at this point, or are you pretty comfortable that you guys will be able to catch up in H2? Thanks, Imagine Jeremy. Them. Maybe Graham, do you want to touch on that? Yep, thanks. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for the question, Jeremy. I, I think the development, uh, development is definitely a key to us building inventory and building flexibility, but the other key is getting the pace fill um, back online, so, so they're probably our two key operational projects at the moment, um, over and above production, because that's really what unlocks the value in 2022. So, getting the pace bill operating in Q4, it, it's about six months behind where we wanted it to be when we when we started commissioning the plant at the start of the year, um, and 
but it, it should unlock a lot of that secondary stoke material in 2022. So we, we're we rejigging um, all of the schedules. So, you know, getting the development rates up, getting the pace ball back on track, you know, those things should uh, should unlock 2022 pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I think just to underline that, Jeremy, um, the work we've got underway, as Graham said, in development where we're starting to more consistently hit the rates that we targeted, some of the strength tests coming back out of the pace field is all aimed at containing those issues to 2021. So we exit the year with um, effectively resolved. Um, We're going to obviously continue to optimize the pace, we're going to continue to target further increases in development rates, but that's to go beyond 2022, not to achieve what we set out in 2022. Got it. Thank you very much. So, hand in hand, those are both critical paths at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Don DiMarco of National Bank. Please go ahead. Well, thank you, Operator. Hi, gentlemen. Good morning. Um, just mm-hmm. curious about what uh, what additional levers you have for improving the balance sheet in the event that they're needed. Um, I think we're all feeling pretty comfortable about the converts coming up, the repayment next month. But um, are you done with the ATM? Uh, and, and what else could you draw upon if, if necessary um, say you burn a little bit of cash in the back of the year and you need some additional buffer heading into 2022. Thanks, Thank Don. You. Um, maybe hand that over. I think there's, uh, I don't know if there's a slide you want to refer to, Paul, that shows the liquidity available and just address specifically how we're looking at that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, Don, on slide 14, you'll see that we've put in liquidity in terms of potential available liquidity available to the business. So we've got the cash currently at 73. The remaining ATM capacity of 36 should we choose to draw that down. And then there's the 29 million, which is the net amount available in respect of the Macquarie um, RCS facility. So it gives us a number of options uh, in terms of providing that additional liquidity going forward. There's also the fact of you know, operating within a stronger gold price environment. So, you know, prevailing prices of, you know, 1800 plus is actually obviously very beneficial to us. Okay, I think, um, thank you. Maybe done just to underline that, you know, the way we look at it at the moment is on the basis of the plans we set out, we've, we've put a fair bit of detail out in the PEA, even at lower gold prices than this, the business will fund those. I think, as Paul mentioned earlier, between last year and this year, there'll be the best part of 100 million capital put into the business. And we've also reduced the net debt by 50%. And going forward, you know, we're going to start to see some of the benefits of getting the development and pace where they need to be in terms of volume. So that's going to improve the cash generation out of the business, which will then fund incrementally step ups in investment to deliver further increases in volume. So as we look at it, that's the business funds those from ongoing cash flows and, you know, we'll use the Macquarie facility, but 
that's what we need short term to repay the convertibles and then we'll fund on an ongoing basis investment into the business. Okay. Thank you for that additional color. That's all for me. Thanks, Don. Thanks, Don. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have a question, please press the star followed by the one. Mr. Ray, there are no further questions at this time. Please go ahead. Thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, for your time. And if there is anything else you need, please let us know, and we'll get back to you. And look forward to speaking again soon. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.